You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store. Or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast where we celebrate our hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos, no status, just catch it, cut it, and cook it. This is episode 36, Field to Fork with Verder. Nick connects with the Great Lakes coordinator of QDMA, Josh Hilliard. Josh was instrumental to launching a program here in Michigan that is catching on nationwide called Field to Fork. The goal of this program is to get adults who have the desire to hunt, yet lack the guidance or know-how, educated and connected with mentor hunters who can help in developing a lifelong pursuit. Like most things that surround food, I got really excited. When I witnessed a presentation at Michigan BHA Rendezvous and sat in on one of the educational sessions Josh gave, with both Josh and I being adult onset hunters, ourselves, this type of programming resonates with us. If you yourself want to make the leap into hunting whitetails or want to volunteer as a mentor hunter, I will put the links in the show notes below so that you can get started. Anyway, on with the show. All right. Well, hey, folks. Finally, getting some chilly weather. Uh, right now, we're recording right here in the midst of uh, October, and I'm sitting digitally across from uh, a new friend that I met earlier this summer and then got a chance to uh, work with um, in a neat program here. I am sitting across from Josh, a.k.a. The Furter Hilliard. Josh, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us this evening. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So you've had a, a busy couple weekends, and um, one of those I, I joined with you, and that's why we're we're sitting here talking tonight, is um, the QDMA has rolled out a program titled Field the Fork, and its goal is to bring people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily be hunters alongside of hunters who to be mentors and to go out into the woods. Explain a little bit about that program to us. Yeah. So, uh, our field of fork program, um, it has been going on now for a few years. Um, they, I believe this was the fourth year, third or fourth year that they've done it down in Athens, Georgia, um, which is where QDMA's headquarters is. Um, uh, Hank Forrester, who's our hunting's hunting program, hunting heritage programs manager, um, and a, a colleague of his by the name of Charles Evans um, started this program down there by, by going to farmers markets and uh, passing out venison samples um, and kind of using that as, the, as a way to ask people if they'd be interested to, to learn how to hunt. And um, man, they, it was wildly successful at these farmers markets. I mean, they'd, they'd have waiting lists in, in no time for these programs. So, um, 
long story short is they would they would take these hunters through a uh, training program you know two i think uh, the the pilot program was like two three hour trainings um they would we would talk about uh, whitetail biology uh, you know history of conservation um deer behavior uh kind of like a lot of hunting 101 type of of material um and then we spend a lot of time at the crossbow or at the range shooting crossbows and uh helping them become proficient with those crossbows um and then ultimately taking them out on a hunt over a weekend um there uh, at our headquarters and um that was the that that's kind of the program at a very high level overview um, and then we've started to expand that as we've um, had a, a few successful years with that program down at our headquarters. We are now going to this year in 20, uh, 2019, I guess it is, uh, um, have, I believe, 25 field to fork programs across 12 different states this year. Um, so it's grown leaps and bounds in just a few short years. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, we, had, we had a lot of fun these last two weekends. Good deal. Yeah, this, it's interesting to hear this because this is just one facet of the organization that you yourself work for, um, the QDMA. And, you know, we've heard it around and I know for even some folks that, you know, they're, they're big into hunting, but they might necessarily be into conservation groups. What is the QDMA? Yeah, so QDMA stands for Quality Deer Management Association. Um, we were founded uh, just over 30 years ago in 1988, um, started out in South Carolina, um, eventually ended up over in Georgia, where our headquarters are now. Um, we have about uh, 60,000 members nationwide. Um, we have branches all across the country um, that are helping promote uh, our, our mission um, and what we're all about. Um, kind of like the, the high-level overview of our mission statement is we're dedicated to ensuring the future of white-tailed deer, wildlife habitat, and our hunting heritage. Um, that's kind of the overarching mission of QDMA. And then we have a number of different goals um, kind of under each of those um, uh, topics that help us you know, kind of have that laser focus on, on, on what we're striving for. So, you know, it, it's founded on the uh, quality deer management approach. Um, type of deer management. Um, so, you know, there's four cornerstones to QDM. Um, those are herd management, herd monitoring, habitat management, and hunter management. Um, and you break those th four things down. Um, and, you know, it basically boils down to having balanced sex ratios of, of deer on the landscape, having balanced age structures of deer on the landscape, um, you know, having a, an appropriate number of deer that the habitat can um, handle and support, and then educating hunters um, on the importance, the importance of those topics. Um, and ultimately that hunters are, are the ones who are making that final management decision by pulling the trigger or not. So, um, you know, we've got, you know, it's a, like the other organizations, we, we have a magazine that goes along with our membership. Um, you know, you can do a year membership, uh, multiple year memberships or lifetime memberships. Um, you get six magazines each year. Um, I may be a little biased, but I think it's one of the best whitetail magazines um, out there. We are a very scientific-based uh, organization. Um, you know, we, we base a lot of our articles and a lot of our, our um, information that's out there purely on science and, uh, you know, stand behind that. So, um, we've got a great, great staff, a, a ton of knowledgeable people on staff, um, you know, some great biologists that are some of the, the smartest people in the, you know, the whitetail uh, industry, if that's what you want to call it. So it's not just about growing big bucks, huh? There's a lot more uh, <laughs> that's all. involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, that's, that's one of the things that's always, that always comes up about, um, QDM or QDMA and, you know, the, the main principle of, of QDM is, is just letting the majority of year and a half old bucks go. Um, that just means you're going to get that, you know, that many more deer into that two and a half year old age class. Uh, and then that allows more to get into three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, big bucks is, is, can be a byproduct of age. 
um, you know, when, when their when their skeletal systems are are done growing and, and are mature, then that's when they start to put on some more of the headgear. Um, so it's just a kind of a natural occurrence as you get older bucks on the landscape, you know, in, in areas where there's good nutrition and habitat, you're going to have larger antlers. Um, and, you know, some people, if you're, if you're passing year and a half olds to shoot two and a half year olds, you're, you're practicing quality deer management. Um, some people take that up a notch or two or three and, um, you know, that's, that's their choice. And, you know, we really are about any ethical and, uh, legal hunting. We're, we're all about it. So. I like to ex- explain that there's those four cornerstones that it's, yeah, you're not just looking at the specific animal itself, but not only is it the animal, it's the habitat. And it even that includes the hunter as well. Yep. Um, yep. So what's your position then at uh, the QDMA? Yeah. I take it you're at the, the Michigan office then. Yep. Well, the Michigan office is in my house. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the regional director for um, Region 3 or what you know most people refer to as like the Great Lakes region. I cover Michigan, Indiana, and then Western Ohio. Um, through those three states, I cover about 30 branches. Um my role is to kind of act as a liaison between um, our branches and our national office and making sure that um, our branches are, are um, being supported uh, in any way possible. Um, we do a lot of, of fundraising events like, like banquets and things like that, that I help these branches put on. We do a ton of educational events. Um, we do like meet and greet type events. Um, you know, uh, these field of fork type events that we're going to talk about here tonight. Um, you know, we're, we're doing stuff year round, um, talking about QDMA and, and, uh, and you know, we've got a ton of branches and that's, I'm one of, I believe nine other regional directors that are out there, um, across the country, um, doing a similar role. Well, good deal. Um, what I like about your story as well, Josh, is as we were talking earlier, um, I asked a little bit of your know, your hunting past, and I was I was encouraged um, hearing how you got started, your background in hunting. Um, you know, this was all like conscious thought. You know, you just you you didn't grow up necessarily doing it yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got started as an adult in hunting. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did not grow up in a hunting family. Um, you know, I think the extent of my hunting growing up was I, I went out maybe one or two opening mornings of, of gun season with a, a friend and his dad, um, and we'd go out and sit in a bucket next to a tree or something and say, hey, shoot that deer if it runs out, and uh, that was pretty much the extent of it, one or two days a year. I, I would never have considered myself a hunter. Um, I, I could count on one hand how many times I, I had been out. Um, went to college, totally fell off, um, t- totally fell off that train. Um, uh, my buddy Mark, uh, from wired to hunt, he, he took me out a time or two in, in college. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't bring a bow. Um, you know, I just, I just went out and sat with him, you know, and that might've actually been towards the end of high school. Actually, I've got ahead of myself a little bit. And then in college, I, I totally got away from it. Um, you know, just didn't have the time for it, wasn't around home. So, um, after I graduated, um, Mark got me back out there again and, and I really just kind of got hooked. I, I, I started hunting by myself then later that season. Um, I just dove headfirst and bought all the gear that I needed and any, any sort of disposable income that I had now as a college grad and a, and a, a new career was, was, spent on hunting stuff. <laughs> so, um, I, I really dove headfirst in and, um, you know, 10 years later, here I am with a, the job with, with QDMA. So it's, it's, um, it's been quite a, uh, turn of events in my life that I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this is where I was headed 10 years ago, <laughs> just picking up a bow really for the first time, you know? So it's been, um, it's been quite the ride and, and, uh, man, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, that first year in, it's it's really a steep uh, engagement with that. You're like, holy smokes, there's a lot of stuff that I need to just go <laughs> yeah, chase yeah. this critter. Um, yeah. But I think it's refreshing, too, to have a perspective that, yeah, you didn't grow up necessarily 
heading out to the woods every season and yeah, you, you know, you dabbled in it. Um, I kind of share that with you where it was, I was surrounded by it and then didn't get into it until I actually had to make my own conscious effort to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. It wasn't, yep. I wasn't dragged out there. It was, no, I, I want to learn this. I want to, and at that point too, is, you know, we're, we're coming up in the digital age too. So it's like, well, all right, I'm going to look up whitetail deer hunting on Google and boom, you are hit with, I don't know yep. how many numbers of <laughs> search results. Some probably accurate, some probably not. But at the same time that, you know, that learning curve is also uh, pretty steep as well. Yep, for sure. So with our, our Field of Ford program, you're now almost having a chance to uh, find folks that are in this uh, same position that, that you were in, that you've yeah, made exactly. that decision. Yep. Is that what this um, program is focused on? You hear a lot yeah. about engaging with kids, but... The uh, field to fork has taken a different approach. Yeah, yeah. You know the kid the kids programs are are great. Um, you know we have a, we have many branches that do the kids programs, and and I'm sure we always will. They're they're great programs. They they're they're a lot of fun as well. Um, but you're starting to see a shift um, in some of the R three efforts across the country, really. And R three, um, for anyone who's not familiar with that term, is is a recruitment, retention, and reactivation, um, uh, of hunters. Um, so there's kind of a national movement to shift some of the focus or more of the focus towards the adult segment of the population. Um, you know, there's a, I mean, just by the title of your podcast, I mean, you, you know, that there's a, there's a shift in, in the way people are wanting to, you know, get their food and, and they want to have it local and sustainable and, um, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that, that want to, you know, provide their own food and what type of, of food, you know, and protein is more ready available in, in many people's backyards and whitetail deer. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what we have keyed in on and, and have gone after some of these people that are, are very interested in, um, sourcing their own protein and, um, having, you know, lean meat and um, something that they can kind of have their hands on from the start to the very last meal that that animal provides. Um, and we've been pretty successful in, in doing that and getting people that um, want to continue hunting into this program. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of been our focus is that local vor type of, of person who's interested in and, you know, local, local, sustainable food. Good deal. Um, R3, the retain, reactivate, recruit. Um, is this all in a response to some real sobering numbers that, uh, um, like, like our Michigan DNR department of natural resources and just, um, what QDM what the QDMA has found is that are, are our numbers really falling as fast as what we're hearing? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a Michigan thing. It's a national thing. You know, I, I think, uh, the, I think the number I'm, it's late on a Sunday night and I'm not firing on all some cylinders here. So <laughs> don't, don't quote me on the numbers, but I think it's what, like we've lost like 2.1 million hunters in the last five years or last 10 years. I think since the last, um, there's a big survey done. I think it was maybe, uh, that's in 10 years up. Sorry, don't quote me on that, but we've lost a ton of hunters over the last number of years. Um, you know, about four and a half percent of the U.S. population hunts. Um, so it's a it's a very small number of, of people across the country that are actually hunting, um, and that's that doesn't bode well for hunting um, long term in in a couple of different for a couple of different reasons. One, just you know, money and license sales. I mean, that's what funds the majority of of conservation in this country, um, is, is hunter's dollars. So if we're, you know, losing those, those monies at a rapid pace, like we are, you know, the animals are going to be the ones that suffer, um, as there's not going to be funding to, to help, uh, you know, do habitat projects and, and research and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important that we try to slow that tide of, of, of people exiting, um, hunting, um, or that's going to have some serious consequences 
down the road. Well, I'm glad that organizations are are catching up on that and looking at the data of, well, what are people looking for? How, not to say that we need to sell hunting, but the idea that if we want to keep our legacy, our tradition going, we got to share this. And I think Field the Fork is an epic way to do just that, that we're out there to, yeah, to grab our protein locally or at least have a full uh, responsibility in taking that animal. And I think just as you were saying down, down in Athens, um, where it started up, like that was the big draw as they were cooking up venison at these farmer's markets. And that's how people got excited about that. Um, how are you pushing that here in Michigan? Are you doing somewhat of the same thing as far as the marketing side of it? How are you pushing out, uh, field the fork in Michigan? Yeah, we did a little different here, um, and I think as as this program starts to extend across the country, I think you're going to start seeing it done a little bit differently each place. Um, we actually had um, we had a a branch last year in Michigan, our tip of the mint branch up in like the Petoskey Harbor Springs area. Um, they did a field to fort program last year, and they they did a couple of different things to recruit. They um, they had flyers up at like their local like co-op store, um, like uh, local food stuff like that. They advertised there, um, you know, and through people's work and things like that. Not everyone has like the time or ability to go, um, or eat, or really like a farmer's market to go to and um, uh, recruit new people. So I mean, it could be it could be people from work, it could be people from church, it could be your neighbor, it could be you know anybody. It doesn't have to be like from the farmer's market, that's how it started. Um, but it, you know, it doesn't have to be that. Um, and we, we did not do that here just purely a, a time standpoint. Um, I just had a, a baby over the summer and my time was very limited to try to <laughs> what try free to, time, um, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, we had some branches help out with this program, but it was primarily, um, uh, organized by myself and um, we actually is a joint partnership with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, this this event this weekend. Um, so we got a lot of help from Jason Meekoff and the the Michigan State Board um, helping put this thing together. And basically, how we did it is we did some we did some targeted social media um, promo to try to get some some people into the event, and that worked. Um, for most of the program. And then we actually filled it up with the last few people, just from people that have heard about the program through other podcasts. It, um, we had a few guys from QDMA on the meat eater podcast recently, and that like blew up our emails about field to fork. Oh, good um, deal. So we, were, we were able to, we were able to fill up the last few spots that we had available just through word of mouth and things like that. So, you know, there's, you know, we started it one way, but we know it's going to change a little bit as it, as it goes across the country and, and different people are, are, um, maybe putting their own spin on it a little bit, but the, the meat and potatoes of it is the, is the same. I came across a, uh, uh it's basically it was, I think on social media at that point, I was just flipping through, um, and it was kind of like a bumper sticker slogan and it, it basically said that, um, we're not going to get hipsters to learn the fundamentals of rifle safety just by having them eat some venison. And I, I don't know if that was a, a dig at some other program or if they were just trying. It looked like it was a, a title of an article, and I didn't get through the link. Um, but it did get me thinking about, well, maybe, yeah, they got a point there. It's like is we talk about this wholesome product that we're we're pulling off these animals that it's um an all-natural product it's off a free-range animal uh we're trying to take it ethically um the approach that field the fork is taking is not just basically saying hey look how good this is now go do it you guys go through an extensive program with um participants and then have a mentorship going along Explain the curriculum that you guys have put together. I know I showed up on one of those Saturdays uh, 
to just see, and I was only able to stick around for the, the morning class, but explain what, what you're taking these participants through that you're not just throwing a crossbow in their hand and saying, all right, right good luck. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're definitely not just throwing a, a crossbow in people's hands and tell them to head on out and sit by that tree and, you know, do this. I mean, we're, we we want to make sure that we're providing a quality experience for them. Um, and it's not just a one weekend type of event. Um, you know, those, those weekend events are great, but there's a lot of research that shows that the, the, um, retention of those people that go through those like one weekend, like one and done programs, they're just not effective. Um, so what we've tried to do is to pair, you know, um, pair people up, pair these new hunters up with mentors from, from their area, um, where that mentorship can continue through that season and the next and the next until, you know, they're comfortable know going out and doing it on their own um now are they going to go out every time with their mentor probably not um but that mentor is there to to answer questions and do all that stuff um and like you said we're also putting them through a pretty extensive training um we have a qdma has launched a ebook we launched this a couple years ago it's called qdma's guide to successful deer hunting and um it it could be for kids it can be for adults it could be for people that already hunt um, it's a great resource and it's a free download on our website. So anybody can go to our website and find our ebook and download it for free. Um, so basically what we've done is we've, we've taken a lot of info from that, that ebook and put it into like training materials and stuff like that. So Hank and, and Charles who started this program have basically put together like a toolkit or like a curriculum, um, for these, for these programs that are being replicated, you know, uh, across the country. And, um, it's, it's really plug and play where we're taking the, the info and the PowerPoints and, um, the materials and, and, and just doing it at, at these training classes, you know, around the country. And they're getting, like I was uh, saying earlier, whitetail biology and deer behavior, um, ethic, you know, ethics and shop placement and all this stuff. Um, and then we spend a quite a bit of time out in the range as well, making sure that they are familiar with the crossbow and where they're aiming um, on a deer. You know, we use uh, wherever possible. We're using 3D targets to try to be able to show people where exactly on the deer that you're wanting to aim. Um, we do like graduation shots if they're going to be hunting from a tree stand. We make sure they're hunting, you know, shooting from an elevated surface or a, a you know. Uh, if it's at a range that has like an elevated platform, we'll use that or we'll get a, a tree stand set up and make sure they're, they're hunting from there. We, we're primarily using ground blinds here in Michigan. Um, just seems to be the easiest way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not just to throw a crossbow in your hand and, and hit the woods and you're good to go. We, we, we want to make a, uh, an enjoyable experience and being prepared and, um, making sure everyone has, like a good fundamental knowledge, I think is key to making sure people are having a good experience. And this has happened over like a, the, the training itself is like two days at that point, you've got a full, a full class day and then another day that's, uh, that's half at the range and then half in the class. Is that how that's finishing up? Yeah, primarily. Um, like for the one that we did this weekend, we had, um, a three hour training course, um, back in September and then we also had a training course at the Backcountry Hunters uh, and Anglers Michigan Rendezvous, which is actually where we met. Um, we were doing some training that weekend, too, and did a butchering demonstration um, at, at that event. Um, now, the one we did last weekend, um, that was a, a learn-to-hunt. So, like Michigan, several other states have these learn-to-hunt programs where they where they have learned-to-hunt deer, and they have learned-to-hunt turkeys or squirrels or pheasant um and in places where we have those we really try to partner um with those organizations or the state agencies that are already doing these types of programs and just try to enhance them and and offer our help and uh, volunteer time um to to help put those programs on you know we're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with these programs there's a lot of them that are good out there um so where there's these programs in place we're, we're actually just trying to to partner with these other groups to to help put those on. And that's what last weekend was. 
Um, they've, their framework was a little bit different for the class. Um, it's, it's a one weekend um, class uh, where we do the training in the morning. We do the, the crossbow um, shooting in the afternoon. Um, we also did a, uh, we showed how to skin and quarter a deer at that one in the afternoon. And then we were able to get people out for a, um, an afternoon hunt. So we, we started pretty early. We crammed a bunch of stuff into that day, but you know, there's, um, there's one person who we did not send out hunting that night. Um, just wasn't quite comfortable with the crossbow and we wanted to make sure she had some more time at the range. Um, which she did. And she went out the next morning and had a, had a great morning. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a, that, that was a kind of a condensed version of the, of the course. We try to get, um, training beforehand just to, so that we maximize the hunting time, but that's, um, it, it definitely worked out well, uh, last weekend for that program. Well, Hey, while we got you here, thanks again for listening. Dustin, where can our listeners engage more with us? You can check us out on Instagram at Huntivore. You can check us out on Facebook, The Huntivore. Or send us an email at Huntivore at gmail.com. We've also joined the Sportsman's Nation family of passionate outdoorsmen. Um, they come together with lots of great content. You can check out their website at sportsmansnation.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook with the handle Sportsman's Nation. Um, in fact, if you check out their blog, we have recipes already up. And they are a 2% for conservation company, which means as a business, they give 1% of their time and 1% of their earnings back to the wildlife and wild places that we love. I think that's pretty sweet. Anyway, back to the show. I know I missed out on the afternoon um, where, yeah, you got to get, you got to get your hands dirty, both with the, yep. uh, the deer and, and with the crossbow, but, uh, tell us a little bit about these folks. Tell us some of those testimonies that, uh, what were you hearing from, from these Hurley hunters and was, was any of those hunters successful? Probably the coolest part of this program is seeing the backgrounds and, um, careers and types of people that want to go through this program because you know they're they're definitely the majority of them are coming from non-traditional backgrounds or they, they didn't grow up hunting um, we get a few that that people you know we had a few in these last two weekends where people maybe hunted with their um, you know dad or, or grandparents or something growing up but then just totally got away from it and they're in their late thirties, early forties, and they're, and they're looking to, to get back into it. Um, so we definitely have those people. We have people that, um, you know, we, we've had uh, numerous amounts of ex vegans or vegetarians, um, that have had issues with like, um, animal welfare concerns. And for the reasons why they've, they've gone vegan or vegetarian that have said, Hey, you know, I, I want to get meat back into my diet. Um, this is uh, the most ethical way for me to see to do that. I think we had an ex-vegan in the program last weekend. Um, you know, we've had uh, we've had this past weekend we had a professional chef um, whose restaurant like specializes in, in field-to-table um, type fare um, go through it. He he's a guy that had hunted early on with his with his dad, um, but it was like only a gun hunter, like one or two days a year and had gotten away from it for a while and said, Hey, I want to, I want to give this another shot. Um, we've had, you know, we had uh, a gentleman this weekend that, um, was born in Baghdad, Iraq and moved here in like the early nineties with his family when he's just a little guy and, um, came across a, a compound bow a couple of years ago through a friend and has been shooting it for several years. And, you know what? I want to, I want to get into hunting. And, and he came this weekend and, um, he was actually at full draw on a, on a buck this morning. Um, just didn't quite get the opportunity to take a shot. Um, we had a zoologist go through the program this weekend. We've had, you know, quite a few like computer software engineers, 
Um, just a, I mean, just a wide, we had last weekend, we had a couple army veterans, um, just, just a really wide variety of, of people that have gone through this pro these programs and our, our events, the last two weekends are, are really just a microcosm of what all of these events are seeing. They're all very diverse backgrounds and sets of people, um, which is really cool to see. And to answer the other part of that question, we had some really, really close calls both weekends, um, but unfortunately, um, nobody went home with a deer um, from either program. So um, I will say both both events were on uh, state land, um, so it was it was definitely a challenge, um, and they were on weekends. Um, one was the opening weekend, and the other we had a huge, this past weekend, we had a huge cold front move through, and um, the woods were definitely crowded. Um, but the deer were moving. We had a lot of people see deer, um, had a, had a couple opportunities. We did have a few missed shots, unfortunately. Um, I think that first experience maybe got the best of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone left, um, really invigorated and, and really enjoyed their time. And, you know, we, we, uh, one of our, our sponsors with QDMA is Onyx and we give all of them, uh, all the participants like a Onyx membership where they can they can download that app and and um, you know find places to hunt um, and we we had people dropping a bunch of pins this weekend that live really close to the place that we hunted that they're they've already got plans to go back um, so yeah I mean it's it was a it was two really great weekends unfortunately no deer um, but a ton of great a uh, ton of great experiences for for these new hunters and, and, uh, a few, I think that probably got hooked for life. I'm glad you guys are starting them out. Like realistically, like, Hey, we're going to go out there and there's going to be a lot of people that are joining yeah, you yeah, yeah. that are going to be in those woods and yeah, you're going to get close, but it's, you know, you got to make the right shot. So I'm glad they're getting a real, uh, look at what hunting is like here in Michigan. Um, yeah. And I think like, like our mentors have done a really good job of kind of like, keeping those expectations in check. Um, I think so many people just think, Oh, I'm just going to go out to the woods and, and kill a deer and the first half hour and I'll be good. Cause that's you know, what you see on TV or whatever. And, um, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, in, in real life. I mean, I, it took me like two or three years before I killed my first year. I don't know what it was for you, but you know, a number of our mentors were like, yeah, it took me five years or it took me, three years or whatever. I mean, just setting those expectations up front, I think plays a huge role in how people are going to view, um, the, the event for that weekend, if it was a success or not. Um, so I, I, I don't think we had anybody leaving upset that, you know, they didn't have a deer. I think they, they all enjoyed their, their experience and their time in the woods. And, um, it, it was different for them, right? I mean, they're not used to doing that. So, that can be a, a life-changing experience for people just being out there and in nature. Yeah, I definitely threw a few arrows before I actually connected with, <laughs> with something. Yep. So, yep. But, yeah, I'm glad they're getting that uh, that experience there. And then, yes, just to mention those uh, the mentors that you're out there with, you, the weekend that I was there, it was like an all-star cast of real knowledgeable folks who are going to be able to sit with those people in the stands, kind of give them the, the rundown of here's what you go on to look for. You know, I, a good friend of mine, um, that was there that I actually saw was, um, Steven, uh, Dotry. I can't, I always mess his name up, but anyway, um, he is very knowledgeable when it comes to having deer move around you and just being able to set yourself up in the right position. So I was really encouraged to see someone of his caliber be able to step up and uh, work with these folks. When you're going through these mentorships, is it kind of like a volunteer base for mentors that are wanting to come in? And then how is it that they are continuing to communicate with their mentee? Or is there like a a communication thing that you guys are doing post training. Yep. Yep. So, um, so these, so the two events that we've done, um, are semi of like a destination type of event or those, those like one and dones where I was saying show that they don't work. 
um, to, to try to get around that, we have done, um, you know, I, I kind of made a conscious effort when I was pairing people up um, to get to get these hunters with mentors that are that are from their area. Um, you know, all these people were probably from within um, an hour drive of both of these locations. So it's not like, you know, geez, I, I drive 45 minutes to an hour to, to most of my hunting spots. Um, so it's not really like that far of a stretch to say, Hey, these people could come back and hunt here. And, you know, especially the Metro Detroit one, this is, uh, you know, you've got to drive, you've got to do a little bit of driving to get to some of these spots. So, um, we try to, we try to pair them with a mentor who is, who is local. Um, and they exchange contact info on the weekend of the event. Um, I, I sent a follow-up email with everyone's, you know, contact info to make sure that, you know, we keep people paired up and keep that conversation going. They all have my contact info and I've made it very clear to all of them that they have any questions or, or whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm always available to, to try to answer those or to try to, if you're looking at maps and need some help, I'm, I'm more than willing to help you out there. And there's a handful of these participants that are really close to me and I'm going to try to, to get them out. Um, I actually, uh, had enough mentors at each of these events that I actually didn't go out with anybody, which was, I was bummed a little bit about, but it allowed me to, to do some things around a camp, get dinner cooked where people are coming back into a hot meal and, and keep things cleaned up and make sure nothing, none of the equipment goes walking off or anything like that. So, um, yeah. And how we got mentors is just through, um, you know, our branches, the, you know, uh, NWTF helped out, uh, find some mentors through their branches, BHA helped find mentors through their chapter. Um, so it's definitely just like, uh, a word of mouth thing. Um, and some of the connections that I and others have, um, to, you know, we try to get really good people, not only good hunters, but just good people, um, that are good ambassadors for hunting. Um, that's what we want. That's what we want these people to, to realize is, um, I think I think I heard it both weekends. It's like, man, none of these people here really fit like the stereotypical hunter, right? Um, they, they they have such this image of of what a hunter is, um, which which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, there's people that hunt from all all different walks of life, um, and we try to we try to represent that in our in our mentors too to get all different sorts of people. So, um, really, the, the follow up is key though because. If you don't have any follow-up after the hunt, um, these people are just going to feel as lost as they did beforehand because they're not going to be able to get everything in a weekend, you know? Yeah, it took me years before I started putting some of those pieces together. And luckily, my mentors were my buddies from school that, you yep. know, maybe they didn't have me exactly the the right spot I should be sitting or, you know, a little bit of misinformation at that point. I mean, we were young kids at that point, or at least uh, they were working on old information, but at the same time we then became a, you know, we're out there with somebody, you know, I right. was texting somebody and, and even now it's like, even though I'm sitting in my stand 10 miles away from my buddy and as much as I want to stay off the cell phones, I'd say off the electronics, you're always like, here's what I'm seeing. What, what should I be doing? And it's a, it's a nice thing to have somebody to be able to rely on. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And there's some apps out there now too. Like, I don't know if you've heard of powder hook. Um, but basically it's like a, it's an app on your phone or a social type of social media where, um, like I'm listed and all the other QDMA staff are listed, um, as like a digital mentor. Um, you can find, you can pull up this app and you can find, mentors in your general area um so people that want to get involved can uh, either from a mentor side or new hunters they can go on there and find um people that are, are close to them and i've actually had a a number of people reach out through that app and we've been able to connect and 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 maybe it's not me that's mentoring them but i may be able to get them pointed in the right direction for a for an event or a program or or someone in their area local area to contact um, so that's been a, that's been a good tool as well. So today's world, there's, there's all kinds of avenues to, um, find out information and, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to be where people are looking for mentors and, and advice on how to hunt. 
you mentioned earlier that um, you, you're partnering with organizations, whether it be BHA, uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, or the National Wildlife, or excuse me, the National Wild Turkey Foundation. Um, they're already at that point crossing species. At that point, you know, they're they're jumping out and helping out with the venison world. Um, is field to fork eventually going to be one of these things where it's not just necessarily species specific, but we're going to be able to have field to fork small game edition or, Hey, come it, I think you mentioned it earlier. It's the, the learn to hunt where we're not going to be just sticking with primarily one game. We're going to start going multi-species on this. Do you see that yeah. becoming a thing? Yeah. I mean the, the learn to hunt programs and, and the, from the different state agencies, a lot of those are already for all the different speed, you know, small game and pheasant and Turkey. Um, they've got all those, um, you know, purely from QDMA standpoint, being a, being a deer organization, I, I, I don't know what the, I would imagine there'd be some crossover, especially with these partnerships that we're already doing. Um, I, I could definitely see like some sort of small game, um, field of fork type of event. Um, we have branches already that, host or sponsors you know small game hunts and things like that um so i i, I could definitely see that would be a, a plausible avenue for this to to head down if we wanted to expand it more i mean it's just still so early on in the in the program um i think we're still trying to to work out some kinks and and figure everything out so i think we're we're going to keep the focus on on deer for us right now just because we're a deer hunting organization um but field to fork in in general i mean um you know, there's a Hank Forrester got after the, the meat eater podcast, he got, he got emails from California and, and Alaska that the, the Alaska department of fish and wildlife or whatever, their, whatever their service is called up there, they had a small game type field to fork hunt and, um, you know, California wants to do something. So, I mean, there's all sorts of different opportunities that I think we're really just scratching the surface of right now. Yeah, I know when I heard about this whole idea at um, the Rendezvous, I got real jazzed up for it just because it was like, hey, I I see the folks that are going to be jumping into that very much like a mirror if, of myself at that point because it's like, oh, yeah. well, now I want to jump in and, and be able to give back necessarily, like, you know, just as my buddies brought me along, I want to be able to bring other people along, and this is a great outreach. Um, just really envelops that whole R3 mentality of, we want to build up our numbers, but we want this to be sustainable. Uh, yep. We're at five, you know, or four percent, four and a half percent that you said, and we need to make sure that uh, we're continuing on this tradition. So, yep. I, I, yeah, I got real jazzed when I heard this whole program. Yeah, no, and if we're gonna ma- if we're gonna make a, a serious difference, I mean, it's gonna have to be more than just deer. Um, it's gonna have to be more than just QDMA branches. It's gonna have to be more than NWTF or BHA. I mean, it's gonna have to be. Um, individuals and conservation clubs and you know a whole number of different people that are going to have to really step up and say hey you know what we need to put on a program like this and and maybe it's only two or three people but if we've got a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of groups doing two or three people that adds up you know over time um you know we did we did eight um this past weekend and nine the weekend before uh, one person had to leave early uh, for a work, um, something for work that came up. So we, we had eight people hunt each weekend. We, so we did, we did 16 people, uh, 16 new hunters in these two weekends, which is, which is pretty awesome. Um, but you know, we've got, we've got a branch this year in the Grand Rapids area doing, doing two hunters and already they've had people reach out and say, Hey, I want to do this next year. You know, they, these two people have gone back and talked to people at work and, they've already had like five or six people reach out to him and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to try to be involved in this next year. So I think you're really going to see this start to snowball, um, as the word gets out more about it. And as more people are going through the program, you're going to see their friends and family and coworkers and acquaintances, see these experiences that they're having, and they're going to want that too. Um, so I I think you're really going to see, um, more and more of these field of fork events popping up. Um, not just, for deer. I think there's going to be a, a wide variety of, of opportunity that, that arises in the. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. It, it gets me excited and yeah, I want, I want hunt of to be up in front with, uh, with QDMA on this. I want to join on and help be a mentor and 
especially the part where you get, you know you're cutting your meal up or you're cutting your game up or you're trying to make a meal yeah. out of something i yep. see that uh that'd be you know as soon as you get your your animal yeah there's that whole like sinking feeling of like now the work has begun and to, to yeah. try and relate yeah. like oh yeah we you just did the tip of the iceberg we now have so exactly. much so much well, I, I think i think after the shot is the part that really keeps people um away i think that's maybe one of the biggest barriers of entry is like okay i shot this but now what do i do right um that that's that's a, that can be a real challenge for people that that have no idea and i i you know when i first started that was a real challenge and concern of mine like, okay now what um so we try to really walk people through um you know after the shot and you know processing um that 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 animal and and turning it into to food um that's that's the most important part of it all um so it can be it can be the most daunting i think too for people how did folks take when you guys ended up cutting that animal up? Now I know it was more, it was more of a demo at that point, but I think yep. I saw some pictures of people actually getting some knife work in and getting after that. Yeah. How did they re- yeah. how did they react to that? Yeah, you know, it was surprising. They just like jumped right into it. Um like really like no hesitation from from the people that wanted to do it. Um we did that after the last hunt on Sunday. And I think, um, there's, there's two people I think that had to leave early for work. Um, so they weren't able to, to stay around for that, but we had like five, six people still there and man, they just were all about it and getting that hands-on experience. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was really cool to see that they just jumped right in and, and really no hesitation. They were just asking questions and we were, we were right there standing over their shoulder trying to tell them what to do. And, um, I, I think they, they really enjoyed that part of it. So we're come down to, we've already, yeah, we've got our animal, we've put it down on the ground. And now the point that I'm going to take us on is our two dish breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yep. And my first dish, this is a question directly for you, uh, Josh. Um, if you're going to be part of this field, the fork, you know, this is the, one of the things that you're going to be doing as, um, the regional director of the QDM, what is your first venison diplomacy dish that you are going to feed to a new hunter you get somebody who says you know what i'm kind of interested in this tell me about venison what is the first thing that you're going to make for them oh man that's a, that's a tough one and let before i before i answer that i i do want to say that as a part of these weekends we are trying to incorporate wild game into um, the food that weekend into the menu um, into the events where we're providing food. Um, so that's, that's definitely a, a focus of the, of the event is, is to have, um, some venison or other wild games. So we had both of that. We had that both weekends. Um, yeah, I, I think there was a made. Swiss and, uh, there was a mushroom Swiss bratwurst going around. I know I had p- yep. a piece of that. Yep. That was good. And, and, uh, my wife and I whipped up a big batch of chili that we had, um, the next day. Um, so I, I guess if I was going to make a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a real easy one for people to eat chili or something with, with ground venison. I think it's the most, um, you know, it's the easiest one for people to make on their own. You know, you're, you're just basically substituting beef for anything that you would use ground beef for, or I'm sorry, substituting venison for anything you'd use ground beef for. Um, however, if, if backstraps are at a premium, I think some sort of backstrap is is what you what you hand out to people to to really be like wow that is that's that's venison right I mean I think that's kind of the the go to of, of of anybody that's you know we cooked up three backstraps this past weekend and just cut it into to thin slices and really just lightly seasoned it and cooked it right over a little tailgate grill and man people are all about it. Um, that it did not last long. There's fingers grabbing slices of slices of meat as fast as they could get them. Um, so I, I think if I had to serve something to at the, at these events, if if uh, if I've got enough of it, I'm, I'm serving backstrap. Um, if I'm cooking up a meal like a, a full meal, I'm doing like a chili or or cooking up uh, venison burgers like we did last weekend or or some sort of like brought like venison bratwurst or something that's easy to do for 
um, you know, multiple people because we're, you know, we, we were feeding, we fed 18 people this past weekend. So you got to be able to do something that you can scale pretty easily. And um, so those, those tend to be a, a go-to for me if I'm going to be doing these types of, of events. If I've got a, a good portion of venison left, I'm going to, I'm going to put together burgers or chili or something like that. Yeah. Something that can feed the masses and it's real, exactly. it, Yeah, it's not as in your face as yeah. uh, say a different cut, but yeah, yeah I mean, giving I up do, some, I can't do a backstrap for everybody. But <laughs> I was I can, just going to say you're giving up, up the, of one of the prize cuts here. <laughs> right. Right. And, and we can do that. You know, we did that as more of like an appetizer, like a taster, like, um, you know, we had some very generous volunteers this past weekend. We had three backstraps there and we just grilled them all up a little bit differently and sliced them up and, and handed them out as more of like a, like an appetizer. We actually did it after, after the main course. And, um, it was, it was darn good. It makes freezing up in the, uh, up in the deer stand, or at least that weekend roasting, uh, it makes that time worth it. You're like, okay, why am I sitting here again? Oh yeah. I made that, that piece of bag strap. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 For sure. Your second dish. Now this one's a little bit more, uh, this, this needs more detail on this one. And I need, I need a little more from you. Um, it's, uh, it's your date night. This is your date night dish. Um, the little one, even though he is super young, he's going off to grandma and grandpa's. He's going to be out of the picture. <laughs> It's you and the missus and an empty house and to save money because you're buying diapers, you're buying formula, you're getting the whole nine yards. You're going to cook in tonight. Yep. Using venison because that's what we're talking about in this whole episode. What are you making that's going to make this date night go just right? Yep. I'm, I know exactly what I'm, I'm making because we did this. We made this not too long ago. Um, I, I, got into the sous vide stuff um i've just started to mess around with it a little bit but i i did a sous vide uh back strap and finished it off on the grill and uh found this like kind of blackberry sauce oh um, yeah i can't i can't remember what all was in it but holy cow is it good um just kind of kind of mad you know, cook that blackberry those blackberries down kind of mash it up a little bit and um, you know, drizzle that right over top of that, that backstrap that was perfectly cooked, um, at that temperature, just, man, just nice and tender and a little, uh, like, uh, depending on the time of year, if you can get some, uh, some fresh, like asparagus or something like that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a big fan of Brussels sprouts, um, little balsamic vinegar on there, some other stuff. Um, I'm a big sweet potato fan. Um, do a little bit of that or depending, you know, like I said, depending on the season would be kind of like what, what I choose for a veggie, but, um, that's kind of, that would be my go-to. That was just, that was so good. Um, you know, one of the things I was talking about this weekend is some people and, you know, we had a, we had a, um, professional chef this there that was there this past weekend to just listen to him talk and all the things that you can do. I, I was just kind of sitting back and listening to him. I didn't really, chime in or anything at that point but i was just thinking to myself man i need to get a lot more creative and just experiment i'm i think i'm always so nervous to like try different things with venison because it's like a like a limited quantity right like i can't just go to the store and buy more of it if i screw something up um but i feel like i've got a good enough handle on things now that i can start getting a little little creative and, and having a little bit more fun with it and um there's so many good cookbooks and resources out there um that i just really need to to dabble more in and and just have a little bit more fun with it yeah well hey it sounds like you're off to a really good start you know you've got a sous vide piece of backstrap with a blackberry sauce yeah that sounds dang good what um what temp were you setting your your sous vide machine (sighs) oh man i can't remember i can't remember what it was at um i'd have to go and look at the um I had found something online, um, a temperature to do it at, but it was, it was very medium rare, um, at the low end of medium rare. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I can't remember exactly what the water temp was on that. Um, but we let that sit in there for, for a couple hours. So. 
That's great. That's great. That's a good setup right there. I hope my hope our listeners walk away with something like, oh yeah, I'm going to start playing around with stuff. Yeah, and yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, the more times you get out, the more deer you get, the more the more you're willing to uh, try yeah. something new. You're just going to have to get yeah. another tag now, Josh. That's I what know. it is. I know exactly. Well, geez, I gotta I gotta start I gotta start filling a couple tags if I want to have some more fun this year with venison. So <laughs> yeah, buy all the tags you do. want, but now you got to fill them. Exactly. Exactly. I got I got work to do and and. uh actually leaving on a trip in like two days for an out-of-state trip, um, which I don't think is going to be exactly the best trip to fill tags on, but it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> so is this um, the, be... um, I think Mark alluded to something where you guys are canoeing up to the boundary waters. Yeah. Yeah. We're heading up to Northern Minnesota up into the boundary waters with the, with Mark and another one of our buddies. And we're going to canoe into the wilderness and camp along a lake and, and uh hunt the north woods in minnesota and uh like i said i i don't think it's gonna be a, a it's not gonna be a place that we're gonna fill a bunch of tags but it's gonna be a place where we're gonna have one hell of an adventure and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun and hopefully we'll hopefully we'll be catching some fish that we can be cooking up over an open fire and and uh and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to just get off the grid for about a week yeah, I did uh, a week up in the Boundary Waters. wasn't hunting at all. It was just uh, merely backcountry canoeing. Um, and yeah, we brought our fishing poles. I tell you, that is epic country. You are you're just blown away by how much wilderness is around you at that moment. You really do feel small, but in a good sense. It's a real, yep. real retreat. I yeah, forget the name we, of the I, lake, but there's. There's definitely stocked up pike in that lake. If you want, if you want some good eating, there's a bunch of pike. Yeah. I think it's yeah. off of Knife Lake. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, none of us have been up there before, so it'll be a first time for all of us. And man, I've been real excited leading up to it. And now, like the last couple of days, I'm getting real nervous, <laughs> questioning everything. Well, one, I've got to, I've got to formally pack. I've got a good idea in my head of what I'm bringing, but I was just doing packing all my food and stuff um, earlier today, and when I got home from that, that hunt and I had every intention to do some homemade venison jerky. Um, but I'm just running out of time to do that. I, I think I'm going to have to prioritize some other things to get done before that. So unfortunately I don't think I'm going to be having my homemade jerky for that trip, but, um, yeah, I'm starting to get a little nervous and second guessing things that I've got set out to pack. And, but, uh, you know, we'll get on the road and, and we'll get up in there and, you know, everything that I thought I would have needed, I, I, I won't even use anyway. So, um, it'll be awesome. Yeah. You'll have a grand time up there. So yeah, I'll look forward to hear, hearing all about that. Um, before I let you go though, I want to give yeah. you just a, a, a small amount of time. Uh, give us a, a shameless plug for, uh, yourself, uh, the QDMA, Michigan QDMA, um, field the fork. Where can we find out about more about this? How can we get connected? Yeah. How can we follow yep. along with you? Yep. So, so a couple of different things. So to find everything you want to find out about Field of Fork, um, if you go to our website, qdma.com, we actually have like a landing page um, under like a, a recruit section of the website. That's like everything Field of Fork. Um, and I think you can actually get to that by going to qdma.com forward slash Field of Fork or FTF. Um, or if you just Google search Field, you know, QDMA Field of Fork, you'll, you'll find it no problem. Um, but that is everything, like every, like everything that we've done, um, field of fork related articles that have been written in the wall street journal or info that's been anywhere. You can find all that stuff on that landing page, our QDMA, uh, field of fork page. Um, we've also got a video that we just launched a couple of weeks ago, um, looking at the, the field of fork program and interviewing a lot of the participants that have gone through it and the mentors that have gone through it really, really, really well done video. Um, that's there, you know, you can follow national QDMA, um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's the QDMA or the quality deer management association on both of those platforms. Um, me personally, uh, I, I've got a, a Instagram that I try to do a lot of stuff from our events and, it's josh.hilliard underscore QDMA. Um, I've got a Great Lakes Region Facebook page um, that you can find and, and have all the, I try to share all the events that are going on from our branches across 
um, the region. Um, on our website, you can actually find, we've got like an interactive map. Um, you can click on your state and it can tell you where the active branches are um, in that state. So you can find the closest one to you. Um, you can find all my contact information on our website. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, my email is jhilliard at qdma.com. Well, Josh, thanks for taking an hour out of your evening. I know I'm pulling you away from packing, um, but this has just been a riot. And I, I want to say thanks for not only being our liaison from QDMA here in Michigan, but being able to just get people connected um, with their food, get people connected with the landscape of a sustainable resource that we just have among us. So thank you for all the work yeah, and effort you've no, put into this. It's been it's been a lot of fun and a privilege to be able to do it. That's for sure. So. Well, good deal. Hey, I'm gonna have you just hold on for a second. Um, Sounds but good, folks. You uh, you've listened to what we've got going on here as far as field the fork. Um, if you feel inclined, get involved. If you're nervous about yourself getting out into the woods, sign up as uh, as a new hunter. We've got some mentors here for you. And uh, whether you're a new hunter or an old hunter, you better keep your knife sharp.